You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. We are back as a three-man booth, excited to talk about the Ravens. Some small NFL news, uh, and then maybe a little more uh, quiz games for you guys to, to follow along at home. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this time by introducing, back by popular demand and scheduling, Jace T. Evans on the West Coast. Jace, welcome back. How you doing? Feels great to be back, Antonio. I feel like I haven't seen you all in so long. <laughs> um, uh, a lot has happened in a few short days since we last uh, spoke, um, and I'm excited to get talking about it. And the uh, the steady co-host Tim Horsey, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm I'm the Iron Man of this podcast, I guess. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Cal Ripken of Pod Like a Raven. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, we're like you mentioned, kind of facetiously, we have a lot of NFL news to talk about, which I think directs uh, or is associated with the Ravens very directly, I'll put it that way, and, and we will get to it very shortly here. I love the reference of being the Iron Man because we have to address very quickly, this is the 40th episode of Pod Like a Raven. Uh, Tim sort of realized that right before we started recording, so a nice round number. I've had a great time. I I'll let you guys talk for a minute or two, but just want to thank the listeners for, for being with us for the first 40 episodes. Uh, only uh, 
360 to go until we talk about episode 400. So uh, <laughs> thank you guys for, for listening to us for these 40 episodes. Yeah, right. They, they always say, so the people who have started with us, we really appreciate that because podcasts are always terrible at the beginning. And we're just, we're just going to get better. We're, we've already gotten exponentially better from 1 to 40. So here are to the next 40. And by the time we get to 80, maybe, you know, then we'll start striving for 120. We'll just keep going by 40 intervals here. Um, but it, it, it's been really cool to get the support that we have so early on in this thing. And, you know, as, as we were talking about off-air, quote-unquote, we, we love doing this every couple weeks or every week when the season gets started. So... Uh, long may it continue. Yeah, I just echo those points. It's been awesome to do. I'm glad you all have enjoyed it. Uh, the little following we've been able to uh, have has been, you know, it's flattering in many ways. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been a big fan of doing this and hope to keep doing it long into the future. All right, so let's jump into some minor Ravens news that we didn't talk about on our last episode where, where it was Tim and I. But something that we got to sort of address, a strange subtraction uh, on the Ravens <laughs> roster, and that's Jake Ryan released less than a month after signing with the team. It was supposed to be basically depth in the linebacking core, and it was going to be the offseason and, and the preseason for him to demonstrate how many snaps he should get on this team. But not really a chance to, to, to show anything, I guess. I, I wonder how much of this is coronavirus related in that he wasn't able to sort of demonstrate maybe health, uh, you know, ability and, and, and skill. Um, but just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, on the three weeks that were Jake Ryan as a Ravens linebacker. I think, and Jace, I'll let you take this if you have anything more, but I think this screams... We knew Patrick Queen was going to have a big role. Malik Harrison, the rookie out of Ohio State, I think is going to have a bigger role in year one than maybe we thought. Um, it, it's odd to me because they haven't really gotten to see these guys that much. Uh, a couple uh, – time is a flat circle at this point. But Wink Martindale went on a Zoom call, I believe it was like two weeks ago, and had some just classic lines. But one of them was, we'll see when we can get these guys in pads how good they actually are uh, because they've only been able to meet virtually because of what we're going through right now. <laughs> But even with all of that, this screams to me that you've got LJ Fort's probably going to start. Had a very good year last year. They don't have a Wasso. They don't have Bynes. So you imagine Queen's going to start next to him. The guy I'd put third in that rotation is Malik Harrison above Chris Board and um, the other linebacker whose name is... Tyus Bowser is a name that's going to Ty- be... Tyus Bowser's kind of on the outside. Otara Alaka is the other middle linebacker that they have in there as well. Um... So for me, this yeah, this just screams Malik Harrison, the thumper from Ohio State, is going to have a big role, and I, I'm excited about that personally. Yeah, the only real thing that I have to add to that is yeah, you like the faith they have in the guys they drafted, certainly. Um, but I do think it is a little odd because, like you said, you know, never saw Jake Ryan, so don't really know what he was physically capable of. So um, you know, I guess they just maybe doing him a solid if they knew he wasn't going to get a real opportunity, cut him loose while there's still, you know, some open jobs available and stuff. So not too much to add to it. It was a very fleeting, the Jake Ryan uh, era in Baltimore will probably not be remembered long from now, but uh, 
interesting little turn here in the in the midsummer. <laughs> he will be one of the more annoying random ravens a year from now. He's even because... he's even less than that though. I was going to say he's not even a random raven. Like he's below that threshold of, of guys. Like a, a non-applicable raven. Yeah, I don't even know if he do, I don't know we could do the number clue for him because I don't know if he ever even got a jersey. <laughs> Uh, but Tim, I think you make a great point. This is going to give snaps to some of this, those second string names that you mentioned. And I think the safest, the guy who slept uh, most comfortably is LJ Fort uh, when he when he found out about this decision because he is now, frankly, there's you know there's nobody else really behind him that is going to at least immediately push for a starting job. Um, and I feel okay about it. He was sort of a, a bizarrely late acquisition for the team that ended up being one of the better tacklers on the roster, which was such a pleasant thing to see. Uh, if you've been a Ravens fan for the last few years, late in games, players not being able to wrap up. So I'm comfortable with the linebacking crew. It would have been nice to have uh, some depth, but you know, you, you, you trust the Ravens on, on what is ended up being sort of a strange three weeks of Jake Ryan. <laughs> So let's move to the NFL now, where there's just a small tidbit that just dropped right on our door right before we started recording this episode, and it's Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to let you two sort of dissect the numbers here, because I know you did more, a little bit more homework on it than I did, but it's, it's a long contract. It's double-digit years, which Jace, I love, pointed out, I think already on Twitter, didn't know they did 10-year contracts in the NFL. So Patrick Mahomes is going to be a chief a very expensive chief for a very, very long time. So I'm going to just toss to you guys on this Patrick Mahomes news. Yeah, so at the time of recording, um, there's been some back and forth about what the actual numbers were. Let's go with Adam Schefter, uh, who tweeted out the compensation update on this. It's a 10-year extension for the Super Bowl champion and former NFL MVP. Uh, is worth $450 million. $450 million for Patrick Mahomes. We'll talk about how much of that, you know, what that really means here in just a second. Um, There's an injury guarantee as well, which I think is interesting, of $140 million. Um, Those are your baseline numbers. There were reports that it was tied to the salary cap in some way, that he would have to make a certain percentage of the salary cap. So when the TV deals increase and when the salary cap inevitably goes up, he would make more and more money, obviously, being whatever the percentage was. Those, for the time being, if this gets reversed, we apologize. But for the time being, that has been shot down. That it is a straight-up $450 million <laughs> extension. On he, are, he still has two years left on his current deal. Um, so first point being, and we, we'll have a roundtable discussion about this, first point being, great job by the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Patrick Mahomes is worth whatever, whatever amount of money you're going to give him. I know it's crazy. The numbers are crazy. But you have to imagine that there's some sort of opt-out deals after year three, year six, year nine, something like that, where the team can be relatively cap-friendly getting out of something like this. But – they didn't do the Dak Prescott. They didn't do the Dallas Cowboys, where they're in basically limbo now trying to figure this out. They just said, screw it. 12 <laughs> years. When you're 37, we'll let you go and maybe even <laughs> sign a mega deal if you're still putting up numbers like you do. So overall, my overall impressions for this is good job by the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I think I, you know, I think it's good deal for both sides. I mean, that number, as you said, football contracts are very strange. Uh, 
we do not know how much of the 450 million he will fully see. Um, as good as Patrick Mahomes is, I'm going to guess a lot still, <laughs> um, based if it's incentive based or whatnot. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, 12 more years. Uh, and like you said, I mean, they said we have the best player in the NFL. I know we have Lamar Jackson on the Ravens, but for now, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. He's accomplished the most the past two years. And he's just on the Chiefs now for basically his career. Like, they're, they're, they took care of all the problems. They said, we don't care how much, how expensive this is, especially in the early years of the deal when it will probably take up more of the cap. Um, they just locked him in. And he's, uh, he's there for a long, long time. <laughs> and he's the face of their team, face of the league in many ways, him and Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, it's hard to view this as anything of a negative for really either side. I mean, uh, 450, if he sees all 450, I believe that's even more than Mike Trout will make on his, uh, current mega extension in baseball. So, and they don't have a salary cap in that. Yeah, no, no salary cap and their, their deals are fully guaranteed, but who, uh, it is, um, I believe, guess reset the market. If we want to turn our attention to maybe what it means for the Baltimore Ravens, um, because they have a QB with three more years left on his deal, <laughs> eligible for one of these extensions after next season. Uh, and uh, again, like I said, I did not know you could do even 10-year deals. You did not see that time commitment. So now I have no idea what to make of Lamar Jackson's next extension. My mind's completely blown on it. <laughs> so it's real quickly, sorry, just before we get to the Ravens part of this, this is a Ravens podcast. People want to talk about how this affects us, not only on the playing field. Can't wait. we got to deal with Patrick Mahomes for the next 12 seasons. This is going to be great. Um, I think one of the interesting things about this deal is something that I sort of mentioned before, that everybody's talking about this had to be a cap adjustment. This had to be something where it's a percentage of the cap. He makes – I'm just throwing a number out here, so nothing – this was not reported or anything. He makes 18% of whatever the salary cap is for the Chiefs, whatever that number would be. Uh, it might even be – According to Joe Flacco's old deal, astronomically more than that. But <laughs> the fact that the Chiefs didn't do that, and this comes from Andrew Brandt, former NFL executive, I believe now works for ESPN or one of the media outlets. But he put out a great a great tweet here that I think is a very crucial point and why I think this is still a good deal for the Chiefs, albeit a ton of money. Quote, without a cap adjustment, the market will pass by him several times. And without full guarantees, a series of future team options, the Chiefs paid a big sum up front, but they avoided anything groundbreaking and control his rights for an NFL lifetime. They said, for right now, we're just going to deal with this. They might have to gut some of their team. We don't know. We're not cap experts or anything. We don't know how this is going to affect their direct salary cap in the next three to five seasons where they have a, you know, frankly, (laughs) dominant football team that the Ravens have to worry about. But the fact that, this number is only going to get higher and higher for him. If you sign him to a five-year deal and then it comes up and he's 32 and he's still playing at the level (laughs) he is, and you have to sign him to another five-year deal, that would be astronomically more expensive for Kansas City because of the way the TV money works and the way the salary cap rises and and other deals to layer on top of that that everybody, you know, when, when people get paid, like Kirk Cousins at a time was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL because that's how these deals work. And so I think it was really smart by the Chiefs, without knowing all of the cap implications, to just say, 
screw it. We'll throw all the money now and deal with it later because this guy is a generational talent at the most important position on the field. The only uh, things I'll add to this, and I, I'm not quite as uh, pro-Chiefs, I think, as you guys are on this. I'm pro-Patrick Mahomes on this. I think way to go, Mahomes. The only small things I will say here, has a, has a 10 to 12-year contract on any athlete <laughs> ever worked in sports all 10 of those years, all 12 of those years? Ever. <laughs> I mean, I would love, like, I, this could be me just not remembering some of the big ones, like, but even if there are, I could probably pull up, like, ten to that <laughs> one that were absolute disasters. Okay, but real quick, sorry on that. I'm sorry on that, Antonio, but can you argue, too, that you're paying, maybe you're paying a premium for the first seven years, and then you suffer on the back end a little bit, but if he wins you three or four Super Bowls, you'll take that? And that's that sort of leads into my second complaint, not complaint, but my second piece here. If three or four years, five years into this deal, all of a sudden he is underpaid, that's not going to stay the same. He will then absolutely go back to the table and threaten to hold out or threaten to not play or threaten to go somewhere else because all of a sudden he's maybe rightly not earning what he should be earning based on his performance on the field. That's happened all over the place in a lot of different sports, on a lot of you know different players in different situations. So for me, it's not, I mean, it's, you know, great. You love to get a contract for the best player in the NFL at a young age, but it's just, whoo boy, those long-term <laughs> commitments for a team can end up being a situation where well, if he plays worse... He's in a very secure position, and if he plays better, I will come back on here in three, in three <laughs> to four years when he's saying, all of a sudden now, my deal, I'm paying, I'm getting, you know, I'm earning less than, than what I should be. So that's the only sort of little things here, but overall, it's still, you know, good job to, to Patrick Mahomes, and, and good job if you're a Chiefs fan, you know, whatever, you sort of <laughs> like, like where you are. Episode 400 is going to be titled, Antonio Calls Out the Patrick Mahomes Deal. <laughs> I will open the episode. I've been waiting five years to bring this up. Go ahead, Jace. Well, I think it is a good point, though, about the risk of, especially in football, like these long-term deals, like, you know, football is such a dangerous game. And uh, I mean, it's easy to forget Patrick Mahomes dislocated his kneecap this past season. <laughs> now he came back to win the Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP. So we all kind of forgot that happened. But um it is a risk, I think. And I wonder if, to a, a point I was thinking of, Tim, in regards to the percentage of the cap, I wonder if that was a decision by Mahomes to just get the cash, the number, uh, because we don't know what the salary cap will be. It, it theoretically will keep going up, but we could be faced with, I think, an ever-increasing reality of fans not being in the stands uh, this upcoming season. Um, and depending on how they mitigate that or how soon... Uh, you know, 80,000 people are allowed to be back at Arrowhead Stadium. I think that could, you know, impact the cap a little bit. Um, now, the TV contracts are coming up, and if TV's more important than ever in an era where, you know, fans aren't allowed the game, the cap should still theoretically keep going up. But uh, I don't know. I wonder if that was just a play on his part just to, uh, because we don't know, to just get the money. And like we said, it can just always use the leverage of being the best QB in the league, uh, one of the top three QBs in the league, 
down the road to uh, just renegotiate the deal if he needs to. Right, and I think that's the point. And I think Antonio brings that up, and it is so it's it's probably the best point we've made in this debate is that if he's undervalued, his agent is going to go back to the Chiefs <laughs> and say, uh, "Guess what? We're gonna we're gonna rip this bad boy up and renegotiate this because my guy just won." Uh, a fourth Super Bowl, but the Ravens won the, the previous three before that. Um, I, I, I will... The, the, the simplest way to put this is I was so happy when the Ravens re-signed Joe Flacco after the Super Bowl year. You're living off that Super Bowl high. Yes, the number's astronomical. Yes, it didn't work out for the Ravens. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is way better than Joe <laughs> Flacco ever was outside of that historic playoff run, which got him paid and good for him. And if we're sitting here in 12 months, we're sitting here, fans are allowed back in the stands, Lamar Jackson wins another unanimous MVP, and finally wins a playoff game, finally wins two playoff games, and then finally wins the Super Bowl. Finally, first three years in the league. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> and, the, and the Ravens come out and say, uh, we just gave him a 10-year deal and it's worth all this money. I'd say, thank you. Good. Good. Pay the man. And, and as, yeah. a, as a fan... You know, you care a little bit more about the money in the NFL because, obviously, if you know about the salary cap and stuff, and you, you're going to have to let good talent go by signing this guy. Mahomes is that important. He is that. It, it doesn't matter. He is a blank check player. You don't have Lamar Jackson is not a blank check player at this point. If he continues to progress, sure, maybe. Patrick Mahomes is probably the only guy in the NFL right now that is a blank check player where he can go and he has all the negotiating power because he's that good no one touches him now let's flip this a little bit first of all i saw this floating around on twitter and it's it's so sad because they get mocked for not drafting him every single time mitchell trubisky comes up but the bears have saved the bears have saved a ton of money by drafting trubisky over uh, patrick mahomes so i'm sure they're super happy about that i can't wait for bill o'brien to overpay deshaun watson now oh my god he's gonna get Watson's going to get so much money uh, that just all the players who are going to get paid as a result of this, not to jump on your point, Tim, but like I I saw Watson. I was like, you know, they trade Deandre Hopkins. They have to pay Larry. Like Watson is just going to hold that franchise rightfully kind of over a barrel to like get, he can sign for whatever he wants. And so I do think we're entering with this Mahomes contract, just a new period of, quarterback pay well and go to texas stay in texas <laughs> yeah. Dak prescott still hasn't been signed yet and then this happens jerry jones is probably sweating through his suit right now looking at yeah. that deal it's it's ridiculous and let's now let's finally flip it guys antonio i'll start with you because jason and i have been hogging the mic <laughs> what does this mean for lamar jackson and the baltimore ravens uh, at first i would just like to point out i love that the bears are saving money by drafting poorly, just like I've saved a lot of money by not investing in Amazon stock, not put, not pushing my money into that Amazon Amazon stock. So me and Bears fan, I'm right there with you guys. But for Lamar, oh boy, um, I think the three of us are. I would like to think the three of us are view this a little differently than just pure Raven fans. Because we view this a little bit from the perspective of how does this help the franchise? How does this help management? How are they going to build a winner off of these players, off of these contracts? Yada, yada, yada. My big concern is this is going to be a problem uh, for the Ravens (laughs) because they are going to have to give this unbelievable unicorn NFL player 
a gigantic contract, and I all I can think about, all I'm looking at the entire time, is how it's going to impact the depth of the team around him on both sides of the ball, which is what happened with the Ravens with Joe Flacco for at least four years uh, after that contract was signed, and that wasn't even, like, this is going to be bigger than that contract. So it's concern. Uh, I'm, I'm already nervous about it. All these little things that we, we talk about week in, week out is just adding to... Lamar is going to get paid. He should get paid. But the way that the NFL works now, once that player gets paid, we've seen it a bunch of times. We've talked about it. Once that rookie superstar gets off that rookie deal, are these teams able to continue to build around them and pay the necessary talent to, to have consistently good football teams? So, I mean, it's a good problem to have, I guess. You know, it's it's good that we have a quarterback still on a rookie deal that we're worrying about two, three years from now. But unfortunately, I view this as this is the window, guys. Like, it's got to happen in the next two years where you can say goodbye to all these defensive studs that we have at the moment, the, the, the Peters, the Humphreys. I guess the Judons, you know, I don't all these guys, you just cannot keep these players and you can't get that free agent big signing. That's a thing of the, you know, that's out the window. So you better draft well, I get, you know, that's, that's my, <laughs> my long wind thing here is sure. Lamar's going to get paid. Let's hit on the draft more than the average football team does. So that's sort of, that's my spiel there is long-term concern, short-term contentness. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you know, if Lamar keeps playing how he played last year, it's a minor problem to have, really, in the reality, because, you know, the Ravens went, what, 20 years searching for quarterbacks at times, uh, at least, you know, 15 pre-Joe Flacco. But uh, the thing that jumped out with me with the Mahomes deal, obviously, the money's crazy, but it's the length of the contract that kind of surprised me. And as it relates to the Ravens, I am a little concerned about giving a 10-year contract to a player like Lamar Jackson who gets hit a lot. (laughs) It's a concern I have um, when I watch him run. I know he has had no injury issues at all, really, uh, to this point in his career, but uh, as I furiously knock on wood over here, but um, uh, 10 years... For a guy as dynamic and speed-based with the run game as he is, it's a lot. And I wonder if, you know, they do maybe a five-year deal with him. But either way, I I think I had joked about it on the show before, but his next deal is shaping up to be probably $200 million, whatever the length is. Um, And, you know, we talked about Flacco's deal. I believe that was in the vicinity of $120 million at the time. So this is going to be big money Um, that, you know, again, he won the MVP at 22. So probably rightfully owed. But um, to all your points, it is going to make the draft uh, even more important. And the shrewd pickups like your, you know, your midseason Jihad Wards and uh, players like that. kind of your bargain bin guys, even more important. So Eric DaCosta will have his work cut out for him. But as you said, we do have three years until the realities of that uh, contract, whatever it may be, would set in. So 
yeah, let's win three straight Super Bowls and not have to worry about the rest of Lamar's career in Baltimore, uh, is what I say. <laughs> I am. I think you you guys make it fantastic points, Antonio. I think we can't stress it enough. The window is these three seasons. Um, that's how the Seahawks won it. That's how the Chiefs won it. That's how a number of other teams have won it in this day and age. You end up paying the man afterwards, but you ha- you build these quote unquote super teams while you have the quarterback on the rookie deal, or you just be the Rams and pay Jared Goff when you don't need to, and then you have to lose all this talent because they don't know how to manage their money. I think drafting becomes and, – and the part of the reason that the Ravens became so mediocre after that Flacco deal was not only did they get rid of key important pieces, you know, the, the Bolden trade still is, you know, unforgivable really in how they got rid of him, but but they drafted poorly. Ozzy drafted poorly. They did not replace guys um, at the level that they should have. So far, uh, you know, Ozzy's last last draft, the Eric DaCosta draft, you talk about this previous one, or excuse me, the uh, Lamar Jackson draft, Eric DaCosta's first draft with Hollywood Brown being the first round pick, some other guys in there as well. The grades look great on this class. Who knows? Clearly, you know, we have to see them play a couple seasons first before we can make a determination. That stuff becomes even more critical when you're paying a guy a large percentage of the cap. My question is, and I don't know how, we don't have to debate this because I'm just going to be interested to see. I think this deal set the bar even higher than any of us thought it would be. We knew the bar was going to be high when this time came up down the road, which we'll talk about in episode 400. But I think it's now almost astronomical. (laughs) Do the Ravens approach this? And they're known for having goodwill with former players. You know, even former players who are playing with other teams talk highly about the Ravens. Tony Jefferson, who got freaking cut from the Ravens, talks about how much he loves the organization and tries to get recruit players to play there on Twitter. Like, they have a great reputation. Do they have the negotiating power to say, hey, we'll pay you a ton of money, but we can't do the 10-year thing. We can't do the Mahomes deal. We'll give you a ton of money. Maybe we'll do the five-year deal. I think that when we find – and we're not going to find out all the details clearly, but knowing kind of how they approach this deal and what they're looking for versus what Lamar is looking for now that the market has been set so incredibly high is going to be interesting. And, and uh, you know, uh, I can wait for it, certainly, but it is it <laughs> will be kind of cool to see how that all uh, plays out. Tim, that's a really good point to grab a little bit of silver lining out of this thing is that the Patrick Mahomes deal has happened first, and it's happened years before the Lamar Jackson one. We he- Here's this roadmap now in front of you of – a quarterback who deserves the money that he's getting has had a lot of success super early in his career. Let's see how it goes after he gets paid and, and, and to see if he can sustain uh, his health in the field, his production, the production, the productivity that's going to stay. I mean, I don't think anybody's afraid of that, but it'll be useful to see the first few years out of that deal. And I would be curious if the Ravens use that two years from now to talk to Lamar and try to convince him and his agent about how, look look at what happened. This is what we're afraid of. So here's what we can do instead, basically to keep you on the team, but you know, over shorter contracts. You him. lost three straight AFC Championship games to the Ravens, so clearly it wasn't <laughs> worth it. But now you are. It's the best worst case scenario for Baltimore. Three straight Super Bowls, but then we got to spend ninety five percent of our cap on the god that is Lamar Jackson, a quarterback. I mean, I, I'd take it personally, but you know. All right, so. <laughs> Uh, let's turn away from this unless you guys have any more points about this. I, I would just like to say just 
there have been sort of a lot of comments about uh, like the billion dollar athlete being the next thing. And usually that means, you know, money as an athlete. And then a lot of the other money on the side uh, where you end up having like other businesses or you're an entrepreneur or you have a lot of sponsorships. This is just the cool half bill from a playing career. So uh, <laughs> way to go, Patrick Mahomes. You're halfway there and we're not even looking at any sort of endorsement money. So, all right, let's turn now to the other two-pronged uh, NFL story that we didn't discuss. Uh, obviously, we've been recording every two weeks uh, over these summer months. So we didn't talk about this because we weren't on last week. And it's some Patriots news. Uh, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch the order of how I wanted to talk about this at first because this is how it should be brought up. Here's what happened in the past few weeks. The Patriots got officially punished for cheating uh, over the last season when they were caught recording the Cincinnati Bengals, and the punishment they received was they lost a 2021 third-round pick, and they were fined $1.1 million. That's what happened. Then, on the same day, the Patriots decided we need to cover this news story up, so let's (laughs) sign a quarterback. And they signed a good one, and we're all very, very scared. So again, I'm going to turn to you guys to discuss Cam Newton signing with the New England Patriots. I have in my outline in front of me, the first two points to discuss in the outline are just curse words. So we'll skip those and we'll go to point number three. Uh, Guys, just your thoughts on New England being annoying for another five years. Yeah, I hate it. Uh, (laughs) um, Because we know he's going to be good this year, right? That's the thing. They're barely paying Cam Newton. It's like a million-dollar contract, and even then, a bunch of incentives he can get. But, like, we just know he's going to be effective. (laughs) Like, he's been... I know the arguments against Cam Newton. He is super beat up. He's really been beaten down. He's had two consecutive years of season-ending injuries. Uh, but I, you just know he's going to be good on the New England Patriots. Like, he's going to, like, return to his, you know, 24 TD, 10 pick kind of baseline <laughs> and run a whole bunch of touchdowns down near the goal line. You know, the QB sneak they were so good at top with Tom Brady doing, now they just have Cam Newton for designed runs. So, I'm sure, like, I, there's no scenario I see... Where, like, he's still just the beat-up Cam Newton from the last two years. Like, I just know he's going to be successful, and that's why I hate it so much. We haven't had a What's Bothering Jace in a while, yeah, and I think this just sort of devolved into that very quickly. <laughs> yeah, so, I I think it's going to work great for the Patriots. Uh, you know, even at worst, he's significantly better than Jared Stidham, so... I got that going for him. <laughs> why did we let ourselves believe that Bill Belichick was going to start the season with freaking Jared Stidham at quarterback. We got so excited. We, we, oh. we predicted the cam thing and then it kind of died down and everybody's like, Oh, this is great. Jared Stidham, Jared Stidham. I can't wait for Boston, Bostonians and new England fans to convince themselves that they have a reliable quarterback in Jared freaking Stidham. And then they go and sign a man who I'm already tired of his Instagram font. And that stupid wingdings text that he uses on all of his captions and stuff. He's clearly pissed off. He he came out, uh, what was it, at, at the time of recording, I think it was on Monday. Yeah, Monday the 6th. Said, quote, I'm tired of being humble. I'm ready to go. He's got a massive chip on his shoulder. Even bigger than the one <laughs> Lamar has for losing the playoff games. Like you said, 
He's not getting paid very well. It's not about getting paid is what he's already said. He's he's w- willing to earn these incentives, this incentive-laden deal that he has. It's only a one-year contract. He has to play for everything. And it's typical freaking Bill Belichick, man. <laughs> like, he's – Belichick saw what is happening with the league. He sees Mahomes and this – a, a great passer, but also somebody who's mobile. You can't just have a guy who can stand still. He knows he's got a good coordinator in Josh McDaniels that can build an offense around him. And Belichick loves going after guys who destroy him. This comes from Nora Princiati in The Ringer. Quote, Cam Newton is 2-0 and against New England. With 525 passing yards, 106 rushing yards, 6 passing touchdowns, and 1 interceptions in 2 games. His passer rating, 128.2, and yards per attempt, 9.2, are better against the Patriots than against any other opponent. (laughs) Newton's 72% 72 completion percentage rate against Belichick's defenses is second only to his mark against the Steelers, and his 7.1 yards per carry as a rusher are topped only by his performances against the Texans and the Dolphins. Now, look, he only played them twice, but there's multiple reports. I think Devin McCourty did a podcast with The Ringer a couple years ago saying, I'm so glad he's not on our schedule. That guy kills us every single time, (laughs) and now he's going to be killing people in New England. It's just... It's a match made in freaking heaven. Like it's it's another it's another guy, a Wes Welker. Wes Welker dom and at an even greater scale, in my opinion. Wes Welker dominates uh, the Patriots a few times, playing for the lowly Miami Dolphins. He comes in, he's a huge vital piece. Corey Dillon, way back in the day, did the same thing. Tore up some great New England defenses. All of a sudden, gets traded to New England and becomes part of some Super Bowl winning teams, or I believe at least one Super Bowl winning team with with the Patriots. It's just a very classic Belichick move. He sat back there. He waited. He waited. He waited. (laughs) He saw nobody was going after Cam. He knew nobody was going after Cam. There was no market for Cam outside of the Patriots. The Chargers already said, we're good with Justin Herbert. Okay, sure. And Tyrod Taylor. (laughs) Sure. And he waits and waits and waits to lower the price, lower the price, lower the price. Gets him on an incredible deal. And... I mean, and I'll throw it back to you guys. Where does this put the Patriots in terms of Super Bowl favorites now? I, I, I personally, you know, I'm dreading this. I don't think they're instantly number one again. Uh, they had enough problems before this as it was. But, uh, you know, what do you guys think? Well, let me just start off by saying again, I hate this. I hate, just in case all three <laughs> of us hadn't said it yet, I hate it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we were on this show... I want to say a month ago, maybe even more, we were doing the early, early, too early to wager over-under wins for the season. And one of the ones that I absolutely loved, it was on my, like, hammer the under line, was the New England Patriots. They were at, like, 7-9 and nine or 9-7 nine and seven with who I call, I'm pretty sure I called him Jared Stidham the entire episode instead of Jarrett Stidham. <laughs> so that was how little confidence I had in that guy. And I was so ready to do the under. And this is why you don't do that, you know, in uh, in May and in June. And you wait to see how the rosters shake out. <laughs> now I'm mad I didn't hammer the over because <laughs> that's going to happen to slowly, slowly get to the point you're, you're asking, Tim. They're not Super Bowl contenders. They just aren't because Cam Newton, frankly, hasn't been great in multiple years so he's on the wrong side of 30 i'm gonna 100 percent confirm that right i think he's 30 yeah he's 31 one yeah so it's sort of like i have to be proven wrong on this like i gotta see a, an over 30 quarterback who's been banged up and not great the last two seasons i gotta see him prove me wrong with that 
Also, the Patriots lost a lot of guys. We talked about this in some other episodes. They lost several defensive standouts. I know they lost Van Noy. Um, I can't remember. They lost another linebacker whose name I can't remember. But so they have holes on that team that they still need to fill. Uh, and they have a semi-question mark in reality in, in Cam Newton. So, listen, they're going to win 10 games. <laughs> they're absolutely going to the playoffs. I'm going to take a tiny bit of solace in the fact that they're no longer tanking for Trevor Lawrence, that that's officially <laughs> off the table. So Trevor Lawrence won't like haunt our dreams in a Patriots uniform for 10 years, but I hate it. I hate it, yeah. and they're going to the playoffs, and they're probably going to come to Baltimore in a first-round playoff game, and we're going to be nervous beyond was, anything else. I was going to say, lest we forget, this is the year the playoffs expand to seven teams per conference. So the Patriots, yeah, are basically guaranteed to make the playoffs now, I think. Um I do think, I don't know, yeah, I similarly don't go as so far as to say they're Super Bowl contenders just because they did lose uh, a lot, especially even on the defense, you know. Um, uh, Lawrence Guy was another guy, I believe. Jamie left, Collins was the linebacker, Jamie, Jamie too. Jamie Collins, and yeah. I believe Danny Shelton's gone, yes, too. So yes. they lost uh, a good bit of guys, and James Devlin, their fullback, had to retire due to injuries. Um, so they've lost a lot of pieces, but... Um, and, uh, their center's coming back from a blood clot situation, which is kind of scary. Um, so I'm not ready to anoint them Super Bowl contenders yet, but they still went 12 and four with a not great offense last year. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I do think like they're going to make the playoffs, especially with that extra seed. Uh, I mean the, what the nine and seven made a second wild card last year and now there's a third wild card. So, uh, it seems hard to not, for them to not make the playoffs, especially given the, the jets and dolphins, they play twice, uh, this year. And you know, who knows what Josh Allen until he beats the Patriots. I won't, won't really believe. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, it's just, and I guess with, we have to say too, with coronavirus, Newton's not going to be fully up and running like he might with a normal training camp, because that certainly does not appear to be happening, even though camp's theoretically open in just a few weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, still, I think he's good enough, and I think Bill Belichick's good enough. They can kind of just pop and play, and they'll have fine success. Tim, I, I'm going to let you okay. answer with a... I'm going to let you jump in with a question, and I'm not trying to piss you off here, but I, this is... A, who wins more games now, the Patriots or Tom Brady? To you, Tim. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I agree with both of you, and and so I don't want to blabor the point. I think they're good. They're going to be annoyingly good, but not Super Bowl contenders. Um, I will just say, and I don't think I've ever done this in the show before, but I do have a mini what's bothering Tim. <laughs> I like kicking the crap out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I also like them being good. Like, I respect them, and I want them to be, like, competitive with the Ravens every year, and that's fun. It was, you know, it was fun them not having a quarterback this past season and that kind of helping us out. That's great. But I think it's good for the Ravens to have a competitive Steelers. I want the Patriots to just be bad for the rest of my life. And, like, I'm so tired of all the BS and the cockiness and this air of invincibility and all this crap that like it's it's deserved because we cheated for two Super Bowls and we got lucky with a quarterback coach combination that no one's ever seen before 
this just pisses me off so much because we were supposed to be there. 2020, it was like the one shining light in this miserable year that we've had so far with murder hornets and coronavirus and these giant bats that are appearing everywhere now. The Patriots being bad was supposed to be the one good thing in our lives and has been stripped from us and taken away. Maybe Cam Newton just regresses and he just keeps getting worse and worse. And I don't hope that for him. I don't hope that for any player or anything like that. But from a Ravens point of view, I just want to get to that point where they're bad. And and maybe, maybe like, you know what? Maybe the glass half full part of this at end of this mini rant here, like you said, Antonio, they're not getting Trevor Lawrence anymore. That's done. So maybe Cam has a very mediocre year. Bill decides, oh, we're not going to bring him back for next season. And then they go on and had just have Jared Stidham go seven and nine for the next seven years. Great. <laughs> Sign me up. I just, uh, I'm sorry uh, to take your spotlight here on your segment, Jace. It just bothers the hell out of me no, that they're going to be competitive and annoyingly competitive again. Yeah, uh, exactly that. And I think to Antonio's point, it's, Super frustrating that Tom Brady leaves after 20 years and the Patriots are probably going to have more wins than the Bucks. I think. <laughs> Just based on division opponents, schedule, we have to go to New England this year, the Ravens, so that's a, that's a game watching Cam Newton play the Ravens this year. That'll happen. Uh, so, you know, could be better. <laughs> could be better. They could have lost Tom Brady and just had Jarrett Stidham, but no. <laughs> And now they have Cam Newton, so here we are. <laughs> Cam Newton, who, with the Panthers, handled the Ravens, I think, two years ago. Was that, was that two seasons ago? And they, uh, or was it three? Anyway, they, they scored a lot of points on the Ravens in Carolina. So, yeah, lo- love to see him on a better team than he has. Yeah, so, anyway. Antonio, real quickly, sorry, because this is sort of a live radio moment. But just as we're doing this, uh, it, has been, it has come across the wires. Adam Schefter on the Patrick Mahomes deal, just so people know. We did catch this. We don't have to go into it anymore. The Patrick Mahomes deal, final numbers. It is a 10-year extension worth up to $503 million. <laughs> this includes $477 million in, quote, guaranteed mechanisms and ability for, for Mahomes to have outs if these guaranteed mechanisms aren't exercised. Yeah, I don't know what that means. We're, we don't have to dive into it. There is a no-trade clause, and as Adam Schefter reporting, this is now – the largest deal in the history of American sports. So it's officially the half bill playing contract. Yes. Good for good for him, man. Good for him. I love the no trade clause. I can't wait till year nine of this when uh, things aren't going so well and he has a no trade clause. Yeah. So all right, we'll move on from that. Thanks for the information there, Tim. It just why didn't we try to play football? All right. Last quick NFL note, and then we're going to get to Jace's random Raven. And this is sort of a little bummer uh, story that's come out about the potential for there maybe not being as much football as we think there will be. The preseason officially shortened from four weeks to two weeks as of now, obviously based on coronavirus issues, flare-ups in a lot of states, and just issues with reopening the economy, reopening states. The my prediction here is there's no preseason. I, I I don't see how they squeeze in games when we really can't go outside or shouldn't be going outside in a lot of states across the country. So, if you guys want to do like a, a couple minutes on this, just thoughts of is this phase one of be prepared for NFL games getting canceled 
uh, or if you think this is just sort of a small blip in the preseason's not important. I cynically think the NFL will just uh, bash its head against the wall no matter what it's presented against historically. Uh, so I do think there will be an NFL season, but I do not think there will be fans there. Uh, and I do think the preseason will get axed fully. It's kind of, I think, on the way out anyway. As we're adding regular season games, we're going to be decreasing the number of uh, preseason games anyway. So maybe it's a trial run for that, how a season goes uh, with less preseason games. And, you know, we're going to 17 games soon. And if the owners say, hey, if we do no preseason games, let's get 18 regular season games. Like, that might be, you know, down the pike in the years to come. But... I do still think there will be an NFL season just because I think uh, NFL owners have always shown an interest in making money. Um, So I do think there will be games. Those TV contracts are so massive um, that they are incentivized, the owners are, to play. And the NFLPA, historically, one of the weaker unions. So I think that the NFL owners are going to get their way and I think there will be a season but I yes I do not think we're gonna have many if any preseason games and I certainly don't think fans are gonna be in the stands this fall this is kind of the first time that I thought they might they might lose some games here you know or there might not be a season who knows I mean we've seen we've seen all the numbers about yeah people just started ignoring it thanks Florida and Arizona and Texas (laughs) and all you great states of the union and now that the whole thing has basically been reset in terms of our our shelter shelter in place believe what you want to believe we don't have to get into it here but this was kind of the first time where i was like i'm a little worried about it that being said as jace mentioned i definitely lean more towards the nope the nfl owners are stubborn and they're going to do whatever they can to make a buck so we'll be fine in terms of in terms of fans, whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing, who knows? Right. <laughs> but but in terms of just objectively games being played, I'm still pretty confident that the regular season is going to go off as scheduled. The only thing I'll add to this is as more and more things get canceled, even if they have fewer games, they may still be able to make the same amount of money they would have made because the demand for watching those fewer games is going to be so high the viewership for whenever the NFL comes back is going to be gigantic, if only because people are so tired of not having things to watch, not having sports to watch. So, Jace, I agree with you. I think the preseason's gone. I don't think there's a way they have any preseason games. I think the NFL season is going to be delayed, uh, and I don't know how many games they're going to end up playing, but we will see as the uh, summer rolls along here. So let's turn now to the Random Raven. And it's Jace's turn, so Jace, lay it on us. We got a good one, I think, anyway, today. Uh, going to uh, one of my favorite wells, the undrafted defensive backs. Uh, let's get into the clues. Uh, this defensive back played for the Ravens from 2006 to 2009. He appeared in 47 regular season games and six playoff games during that time, but made just 14 starts. In his time with the Ravens, he pulled down just two interceptions, but did have seven and a half sacks. Uh, clue number four, an undrafted free agent. This player spent the first four seasons of his career, beginning in 2001, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with whom he won a Super Bowl. And then clue number five, his number 35 is currently worn by the Gus Bus. Wouldn't, wouldn't have had it until the number. I think I, I think I have it now. 
Um, but I, I have a, a a bonus clue of sorts later if we want to get into it. He had a a very weird, uh, very brief time with the Steelers uh, before rejoining the Ravens in the 2009 season. But I could get more into the particulars of that uh, <laughs> later in the show if you are seeking an extra deeper clue. Cool. <laughs> That was Jace's random Raven. Just building that defensive backfield. I love it. I love it. All right, so we're going to turn now to Tim. Uh, We have a new quiz game, so to speak, for the gang uh, and the listener. So, Tim, why don't you go over uh, sort of how to play here, and then we'll dive into some questions. Yeah, trying to do live radio during a quarantine, you had to get creative. So I'm directly ripping this from uh, when there's no sports, from uh, the show I do on SiriusXM. It is a very simple trivia game where Jace and Antonio will be going up against each other called I Claim. Basically, I have five different categories here, or questions as it were, and I will go back and forth between the guys. Each question is, a certain number of players did this thing. How many of those can you name? We'll start, you know, first question, we'll start with Antonio. He makes a wager, essentially, about how many he can name. Jace can either tell him to name that many, or he can basically up bet him if he would like they go back and forth until somebody says all right you got to name as many as you claimed you could then we'll go through you can't make any mistakes oh boy so <laughs> let's say if you, if you claim you can name seven guys you got to name seven guys with no mistakes if you do you get the point if not our other contestant gets the point so without further ado let's get started and um i think these are relatively difficult but we'll see um i, I, I would just like to claim before we start tim i claim <laughs> that jace is going to be a lot better than me at this well <laughs> i also my... <laughs> i also claim that a couple weeks ago we did trivia and it was all directly statistical stuff and you screwed me against jace so yeah i, I would also <laughs> claim that but we'll see um so question number one <laughs> 10 players and the, and these stats by the way come from pro football reference so if, if some of these are wrong blame them not me Ten players in Ravens history have recorded 300 or more solo tackles in their time with the team. Ten players have recorded 300 or more solo tackles in their time with the team. Antonio, I start with you. How many of the ten can you name? I was about to ask... uh... By 300 solo tackles, did you mean career or in a season? And then Uh, I realized that's not a relevant question. Yeah, that would be insane. 300... Solo tackles, how many players can in I name? Their, in their Ravens career, there have been 10 of them. How many can you name? Okay. At any position uh, and on the defense. Four? <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm already sweating. That was way too high. I was... So, I think I could do five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jace has set it at five. Antonio, will you go six, or will you make him name him? Oh, boy. Uh, five. I'm going to make him name him. Yeah, pressure's, okay. pressure's on, oh. Jace. Okay, so here's what I got. Ray Lewis. There's one. Ed Reed. There's another one. Chris McAllister? Chris McAllister is on this list, correct? No! Chris McAllister uh, pulling in 388 tackles. He oh. ranks he ranks fifth all time for the Ravens. Uh-oh. I, I was expecting some defensive backs to have some higher numbers. Uh, um, 
Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs is number two on this list with 606 solo tackles, and then you need one more. Then the other guy I was going to go with is Jarrett Johnson. Jarrett Johnson is incorrect. Oh! <laughs> Antonio gets the point. Jarrett Johnson, quick check. He is 14th all time with it looks like 283 solo tackles. Oh. <laughs> your list, your list goes like this. Obviously, Ray Lewis, 1,568. Terrell Suggs, 606. Hell of a drop off there. Ed Reed came in at third with 507. In a clean 400, Lardarius Webb, fourth wow. all time <laughs> in solo tackles for the Ravens. Chris McAllister, as you mentioned. C.J. Mosley coming in at six with 387. Wow. My favorite name on this list, one of my favorite Ravens of all time, the nose tackle himself, Kelly Gregg, coming in at seventh with 370 tackles, Bart Scott, 322, Jamie Sharper, 315, and Adelius Thomas is the tenth guy with 303. Uh. One of my other guesses would have been Peter Bulware, so I got it wrong. So, Peter, so Peter, Bo- Peter Bulware, 293, uh, Jimmy Smith, 286, and Haloti Nada, 285 before we get to Jarrett Johnson. See, there. Kelly Gregg kind of surprised me because I was thinking Haloti, but I was like, nose tackles don't get that many tackles. So then I just like abandoned him and Kelly Gregg entirely. But apparently I underestimated Kelly Gregg. I know. Kelly Gregg, <laughs> absolute stud in the middle, just completely underrated. Anyway, let's move on. I know we're running a little long on time here. Uh, and Jace, I'm going to start with you this time for question number two. And uh, I'll, I'll just say this list is depressing. I think you know where I'm going. Thirteen players have passed for over 1,000 yards in their time with the Ravens. Only 1,000 yards. That's it. Thirteen players have passed for 1,000 yards in their time with the Ravens. Uh, all time in their time with the Ravens, I should say. Jace Evans, how many can you name? Seven. Woo. Seven, okay. Antonio. Start low. <laughs> I, looking at this list, that seems pretty high to me. But he's A got 1,000 career passing yards? 1,000 career with the Ravens. Jay said seven. I'll say eight. Okay, eight. Nine? Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go to nine. I have to name 10 out of the 13? You have to oh. name 10 or you could make Jace name them. I'm just going to short the the stocks here. That's going to be my strategy. So I'm going to make Jace name him here. All right, nine, Jace. I was going to make you name ten <laughs> for sure. Um, Joe Flacco. There's one. Lamar Jackson. There's two. Steve McNair. Steve McNair is on this list. Three. Kyle Bowler. Kyle Bowler's on this list. Oof. So that's four. By the way, Kyle Bowler, second all time. 7,846 yards. That's just so depressing. But anyway, you got uh, four. Because he played multiple seasons, I'm going to guess Anthony Wright. Anthony Wright, eighth all time on this list. So you need four more. <laughs> four more. Oh, this is. Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde. Three more. Um, I am going to say Trent Dilfer. 12th out of 13th on this list. You need two more. I knew he was only there for that, like, half of one season, but I was like, surely he got to 1,000 yards. I don't know. That, that Super Bowl winning offense was piss poor, yeah. so uh, yeah, who knows. Two more? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Jeff Blake? There's no way. Jeff Blake, 
is 10th all time with 2,084 yards. You need one more, Mr. Evans. Is it possible the answer is Jim Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh is correct. He comes wow. in at eleventh all wow. time. Nine of the thirteen. Can I can I throw one more name out that Go I was ahead. sort of surprised, Jace? If you name Dilfer, it's got to be Tony Banks. Tony, oh. Tony Banks. <laughs> Tony Banks is sixth all time on that list. So let's just run through this incredible. Yeah, that's the most obvious name I missed. I had a Tony Banks jersey once upon a time. So yeah, true the, fact. <laughs> so that is what. That's ten. I'm trying to think of the three that you guys didn't get. Okay. One of them you probably should have gotten, but we'll run through them. Joe Flacco, 3,800, 2,045 yards, or 245 yards. Then it goes off significantly from there. Kyle Bowler, 7,000, over 7,000 yards. <laughs> Vinny Testaverde, over 7,000 as well. Lamar Jackson is at fourth already with 4,000 passing yards in about a season and a half. Steve McNair, just over 4,000 as well. Tony Banks, 3,000, uh, and I'm just rounding these. Elvis Gerback just over Elvis Gerback is Elvis one Gerback. just over three thousand ah. yards. Anthony Wright, this guy I don't even know. Eric Zaire or Zaire Z E I E R, late nineties guy. Okay. that's all I know about. He passed for uh, just under twenty five hundred yards. You mentioned Jeff Blake. You mentioned Jim Harbaugh. You mentioned Trent Dilfer. And then the funniest one on this list, the guy rounding it out with one thousand one hundred and eleven yards, Chris Redman. Wow, I did not think he would have played enough to have gotten onto Chris the list. Chris Redman is on this list. So, okay, it is 1-1 as we move to question number three. And, uh, Antonio, I'm coming back to you. I think I think we start calling you Mr. Wide Receiver on, uh, on Pod Like a Raven because you love them so much, even though they're just so depressing. 13 players, we're going back to 13, have 10 or more receiving TDs in their Ravens career. 13 players have 10 or more receiving TDs in their That's Ravens career. That's not enough career. in 25 years. It's, it's not enough at all. And there's only 13 of them. Mr. Barbera, how many can you name? Uh, I'm, like, trying to jot them down because I will forget the names. Oh, man, this is... There's a 10% chance I end up answering this, by the way, just with the number that I choose. So, uh, just for edification uh no tight ends in this list right we just talking wide receivers no all all type of receivers running backs tight ends wide receivers anybody there yeah uh, that changes that changes the whole so uh, that probably adds like four guys right <laughs> um it's not an insignificant amount we'll put it that way yeah. wow well I, I feel like i've come up with too many names here so i'm a big child all right i'll say uh one two three four five six seven eight um I'll say nine. I do love this, Jace. Before you go, and, and I think we're going to bring this game back a couple times throughout the summer. You usually start by trying to lowball people and see if <laughs> yeah. you can climb their way back up. You guys are going right for the throat, which I love. So well, we're, we're going to uh, nine. Jace, can you name ten? I don't think so, so I'm just going to have no, no chance to name nine because that's I, – I have like four for sure, and then I'm kind of lost. So okay. I've got to say – ta- yeah, See, them. now I'm so angry because I was – really, that was just a number to get Jace to bite. Oh, All right, These dude. are ten – just last time, Tim – ten receiving touchdowns in their career. In their Ravens career – they, there's 13 players that have had 10 or more receiving touchdowns in their Ravens career. 10 or more play, or 13 or more, 13 players. Excuse me. You have said you can name nine, so let's get started. 
I think I can. I, all right, I'm feeling better as the names are sort of slowly <laughs> flowing. Uh, I'll go with I'll go in order of how sure I am. Uh, Derek Mason. Correct. So let me delete these so I don't repeat them, even though I would love to repeat them and have them count <laughs> twice. Uh, Todd Heap. Todd Heap is number one on the list with 41. Uh, God, I'm already nervous. <laughs> Seven more to go. <laughs> Tory Smith. Tory Smith is number two on the list with Boom. 30. See, this is, I'm feeling, now I'm getting just irrational confidence. Um, This is going to... Un- oh, my gosh. Dennis Pitta's got to have... Got to be there. Dennis Pitta... 13 touchdowns in his career. He qualifies. I didn't enjoy that hesitation, Tim. Dennis Pitt, let me remove him from the list. Oh, we gotta, we're creating a little suspense this, here. You know, this on. is when I'm already, I'm, I'm officially unsure at this point. <laughs> so now I have a list of like four guys. And you're not even halfway there. Very good. I mean, Anquan's so strong, Bolden. Has to, he's got to be there. 14 touchdowns for Anquan okay. Bolden. He is okay. there. Four more. And this is the name I've been holding, but he's... I mean, I'm going to have to get to him at some point, and it's going to annoy me. Oh, my gosh. Mark Clayton? Mark Clayton is the last man on this list with 12 touchdowns in his Ravens career. I need, what, three more from you, Antonio? Still three? Oh, oh, oh man. (laughs) I only have four (laughs) names left. (laughs) Oh, this is pe- all right. Whatever, just leap it. This guy better have ten. Um, I'm trying to think. It's been two seasons, right? He's got a yes. Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, thirteen touchdowns yeah, for Mark Andrews. He has to have so him. Far. Okay, two more. Oh boy, um, this is the name <laughs> I've actually been sort of hesitating with. Kadri Ismail. Kadri Ismail is fourth all time with 18 touchdowns in his See, Ravens and that doesn't career. seem right. No, that doesn't, doesn't seem right to me. All right, That's I, I will say that I would have so, said. <laughs> so for the the what is it? You have eight of them now, right? I believe you have eight of them. You have you need one, right? Yeah. Yeah, you need one more. You have the first guy, second guy, third guy, fourth guy, ninth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. So you're missing <laughs> the middle. That, that nice middle, middle ground. See, and there's a guy who we spoke about recently who I know has more than 10, but I can't really remember his name, and it was a guy who in the 90s had, like, that super season, but I'm not actually positive on his name, even though it was just a few weeks ago. <laughs> so I'm, oh my gosh, I'm going to say a name that if this ends up being wrong, it's going to validate my hatred of Ravens wide receivers, but this is the name I'm going with, and it's Travis Taylor. Travis Taylor is correct. 15 touchdowns in his career. Very nice job, Mr. Barbera. Oh. He takes a second point. Some guys you missed. Uh, Michael Jackson. He, that, was uh, that the guy? Yeah. The, the the, guy. The, the Michael Jackson season. and Derek Alexander is another guy that we've talked about as well. Um, Jermaine Lewis had 16 <laughs> receiving touchdowns, even though he was primarily a punt returner. Very interesting. Um, and then Steve Smith was the other guy that you didn't mention. 14 touchdowns. Just to put your mind at ease a little bit, uh, Marquise Brown already ranks above a number of players because he had seven touchdowns in his rookie year. So hopefully by the end of his career, he'll be uh, skyrocketing up these charts. But let's move along swiftly. I will admit this is the most difficult question, so apologies, oh Jace. I'm coming to you first. Tim, can I ask one question you can. before we run away? Because I had one more name. I had come up with ten, so I felt com- comfortable guessing nine. So I'm glad I didn't say this guy. Shannon Sharp. Where is he? Shannon Sharp is 17th all time with seven touchdowns. He's at, he's tied. There's a ton of guys on seven. Ray Rice only had six 
Which I'm seems gonna weird he to was me. gonna be one of the names I would have pulled at some point, I feel like. Yeah, ranking twenty fifth all time if you're not including all the ties and everything. So anyway, it's two one. Antonio, he can win the game with this next point. We'll play all five just for fun, but question number four, Jace, fifteen players have returned either a punt or a kickoff for a oh, touchdown. No. <laughs> In their Ravens career, 15 players have either returned a punt or a kickoff for a touchdown punt? in their Ravens career. How many can you name? Six? Maybe? Yeah, t- you, you, you run with the ball, Jace. Run. There's no way I can name seven, so go uh, go, uh, go ahead. All right. Ed Reed? <laughs> Ed Reed has returned one punt in his career. It's not including yeah. block kicks, clearly, but he's got the okay. one. Ed Reed. That would have been a poor start if he had done. Right. Uh, Jermaine Lewis, probably the all-time leader, I'm guessing. Jermaine uh, Lewis, six punts, never returned a kickoff, which I thought was interesting. Huh. But, yeah, he in terms of total number, he would be first, yeah. Um, I have four more. Uh, BJ Sams, he was a random Raven once upon a time. Classic <laughs> BJ Sams, two punts in his career, never returned a kickoff for a touchdown. That's three. You're halfway there. This name's going to make me mad because I'm not even 100% sure I'm going to get it right. David Reed? <laughs> How in the world did you get David Reed? <laughs> He's going to kick off, right? He got. He had one kickoff. He was on the team from 2010 to 2012. He returned one kickoff for a touchdown. That is four for you. I just remember him being a kick returner, but I was just taking a stab. Uh, a name I should have had a lot earlier that just came to me, Jacoby Jones. Jacoby Jones, one punt and four kickoffs in his career, including one in the Super Bowl. God bless him. And now I need to come up with one more. <laughs> Easy enough. Uh, oh boy <sighs> this is funny um i know he did it in the wow uh, i'm just gonna say like anthony mitchell i don't know i got nothing i'm drawing blanks here antonio barbera wins the first ever i claim ravens edition he is not on the list there for you uh you could have had another former random raven yaman figures Oh, I knew I forgot one of the kick returners. You could have had Lardarius Webb, yep, who returned a punt yeah, and a kickoff. You could have had Lamont Brightful, if you don't remember that name. <laughs> Here's the one. You could have had Kalen Clay, who I don't even know who that is, but he returned a punt in 2015. No, 2015? Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, yeah, recollection. Like, like very recently. Um, you could have had Cyrus Jones, the Baltimore boy. Oh, Cyrus, yeah. Michael Campanero, another Baltimore boy. Uh, oh, man. Antonio's favorite ever draft pick, Tandon Doss, returned a punt <laughs> at one point. Patrick Johnson, Bobby Rainey, Corey Harris uh, are the other ones that you failed to mention there. Okay. As I well. was thinking, the thing I was thinking of was that blocked kick Anthony Mitchell returned in the playoffs, and I was like, oh, maybe he returned kicks, but uh, I... Okay, so let's wrap it up here, guys. This one's fun. Um, I will give you a hint on this one because it's a little weird. I believe it's just how the game actually started, and this will become evident in a moment. But, Antonio, I'm going to start with you. You've already won everything. But in front of me, I have the list of the 22 offensive and defensive starters for the Ravens in Super Bowl 47. I have the, This is tasty. The 20, this one is t- The 22 offensive and defensive starters – here is the hint, according to Wikipedia on the Super Bowl page. 
The Ravens' first play from scrimmage must have not included a tight end. They are running a three-wide receiver set with no tight end. So take that for what you will. And then the defense is just base 4-3. Or 3-4, excuse me, 3-4, as it normally would be. Three down linemen, four linebackers, two corners, and two safeties. So 22 guys. Remember, no tight end and three receivers. Antonio, I start with you. How many of these 22 can you name? So I, I realized I got a little excited, and I may have missed a crucial piece of information. Which Super Bowl? Forty-seven, the latest Super Bowl. Did okay, you... that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, out of forty. Oh, out of twenty-two guys. Um. <laughs> I'll say eleven, just as a number to sort of have have some fun with. I. Th- think i could get up to 15 oh look at blink and push sides of the ball <laughs> 15 i mean it'd, it'd be like embarrassing if i couldn't name that many but there's gonna be some weird names in there i bet i'll just say this hind it, it you should get it but hindsight is definitely a little 2020 on this one <laughs> like i'm looking at it so i'm like i could definitely get this but if i was in your seat i might struggle a little bit with some of them Um, whatever. I'll say sixteen because I'm gonna push Jace because I think Jace should be able to get more than uh, more than this number. Okay, I'll go up to seventeen. There we go. All right, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> go, go, Jace. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think I think you're actually gonna get there with all right, these. Yeah. I, so I have, between I these, between these, give me some time too to like make sure we can confirm these. Because so like three you said, receivers. There's set. some wonky names. Um. So on offense, we're going to go We're start on the offensive line, because I think I know all this. This is smart. Which is why I started at 15. Bryant McKinney. Yep. Kelechi Assembly. Correct. Matt Burke. Correct. Marshall Yonda. Correct. Michael Orr. Correct. There's your offensive okay. line. That's five. Joe Flacco. There's your quarterback. That's six. Uh, Ray Rice. There's your running back. That's seven. Um, we'll go Torrey Smith and Anquan Bolden. Those are two of your receivers, correct? Brings and you to I nine. Have not You're gonna leap sure. at the third wideout? Yeah, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Okay, so just to confirm, and I'll help you out on this: you're missing two guys on offense, and you don't have anybody on defense yet. Uh, okay, and there was no tight end. There was no tight end. Okay. Um, defense, we will go Ray Lewis. Correct. Ed Reed. Correct. That's 11. Uh, Haloti Nada. Correct. That's 12. Um, Terrell Uh-oh. Suggs? Terrell Suggs is on that list. That's okay. 13. I couldn't remember if he was hurt or so- someone got hurt in that game or before. But uh, um, I'm going to say Bernard Pollard. Bernard Pollard is 14. Uh, Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith is incorrect. He oh! did not start <laughs> no! this game. Which I will admit, oh. as soon as we... When I did this preparation for today's podcast, I just assumed he was there and I just looked at it. Your starting corners, even though Jimmy Smith was famous for the, the Michael Crabtree play, your starting corners were Kerry Williams and Corey Graham, who Corey came Graham, up big like in the Denver game, if yeah. you don't remember that. Yeah. Um, let's run through your other starters. I'm completely offended you didn't mention Vontae Leach, so we can't be friends well, anymore. I, I, he was, he, I was like, it had to be him if there wasn't a tight end, but I, I should have just said him. <laughs> uh, Jacoby Jones was the okay. third wide receiver, wide receiver who started in place of, you would assume, Dennis Pitta. 
Um, Make Kimoyatu was your nose tackle, and Arthur <laughs> Jones. I mean, this defense is not great. Haloti yeah. Nada, Make Kimoyatu, Arthur Jones, Courtney Upshaw, Danelle Ellerby, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, and then we mentioned Corey Graham, Kerry Williams, Ed Reed, and Bernard Pollard. So, Antonio, a 4-1 win in our first oh. ever I Claim. If you guys like that, let us know how you did as well, fun. if you did better than our guys. Um, if you got some of these lists, if you didn't, I'm sure we'll bring this back. It's, it's, a, it's a simple game to play and something, you know, when I don't want to talk about Cam Newton anymore, it's something that we can always bring back. <laughs> uh, listen, for all you guys out there who don't know about investing in stocks, just short all the time <laughs> and make other people commit and make mistakes. All right. Uh, I, I humbly accept this first round of this game. This was a fun one, and I'm glad, Tim, it was a good idea to bring it, and we'll definitely do this one again. Uh, the last thing to do here, the Random Raven. So, Jace, why don't you run through your clues one more time, and then we'll uh, get out of here. Yeah, so this defensive back played for the Ravens from 2006 to 2009. He appeared in 47 regular season games and six playoff games during that time, making 14 starts. In his time with the Ravens, he pulled down just two interceptions, but did have seven and a half sacks. An undrafted free agent, this player spent the first four seasons of his career, beginning in 2001, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with whom he won the Super Bowl in the 2002 season. And then, final clue, his number 35 is currently worn by the Gus Bus, Gus Edwards. I'm gonna... I believe it's Corey Ivey. Correct. I also will say that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is Corey Ivey, uh... Did not remember this happening. He briefly uh, was on the Steelers in the 2009 uh, season, got cut, and then the Ravens immediately picked him up ahead of a game with the Steelers. And then he (laughs) played through the rest of that season uh, and actually appeared in both playoff games in 2009. So, Corey Ivey, uh, one of those random mid-2000s nickel cornerbacks, Got uh, his most starts in the uh, the truly cursed 2007 season, it appears. So, uh, could be why I don't remember him starting as much, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Corey Ivey. He's just name I, I has been stuck in my head since we started this segment. So, uh, I've uh, had him on the back burner. So, he was this week's Random Raven. <laughs> I would have never thought that that guy was playing NFL football in 2001. So, you know... <laughs> You learn about these random guys, but that's an excellent selection. And that secondary is just getting stouter and stouter <laughs> by the week. All right, uh, guys, any last thoughts here as we wind down? Any final curses uh, against the New England Patriots? <laughs> last call here. No, I made yeah. my case. It's <laughs> Lamar Jackson's going to get paid uh, in the future. That's <laughs> the big takeaway. <laughs> but, hey, glass half full. This is a better problem to have. This is <laughs> yes. a great problem to have. You could be the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. <laughs> for Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thanks, as always, for listening to us to the next 40 episodes here. We will see you in two weeks on Pod Like a Raven. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. 
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.